My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. When we think of our life with the Messiah, what, what comes to mind? Well, we should recognize that he is, he is our life. Without him, you know, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. We have the foretaste of, of the blessings. We have fellowship. We have just the joy, the, a heart that loves the scripture. All because of Messiah? What's that? All because of Messiah? All because of Messiah. Yeshua, Messiah, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, yo. It is Wednesday, May 1st, 2019. This is Messiah Matters number 262. Dusting off my cello for the first time in about six months. My right name's on. Caleb Hegg. And getting ready for Oklahoma. Yes. Gonna play some music, gonna preach the word. Looking forward to visit y'all there, never been. I'm Rob Vanhoff. Yes. <laughs> are you excited? Are you pumped, man? I'm excited. It's the test run. Gonna hang out with my bro ski Caleb. We're gonna yes. uh, see some good friends. Face and to we're face. also gonna meet some new new friends. I'm excited. Yeah, it's going to be good. You know, uh, it's the first test run. I was actually talking to my buddy David up in uh, Ontario today about going out there too. And he was like, well, if you guys came out here, what would you, what would you do? I was like, I don't know. We're go- The test run happens this weekend. We'll have to find out. We'll have to see what's going on. See if we even want to do it again. <laughs> we might get done with Oklahoma and be like, never again. I doubt it. No, I don't think that would happen. We got good good friends out there, and we're excited to see everybody. Um, So, yeah, it's and not only that, but we'll have some stuff. We'll have some extra stuff for the Messiah Matters More page. That reminds me, by the way, for those who are interested, if you are a supporter of Messiah Matters, uh, you can go to the Messiah Messiah Matters More page. And Rob's lecture, uh, his live lecture from Hebrew University is up there. Put it up a couple days ago. So I don't know I if people... We need to put like the title of the lecture up on a little page or whatever. I realize that sadly, it's hard to see the screen. I would have loved to do that, Rob. The unfortunate part is that Rob can't figure out how to make a title without writing a book for a title. The title's like a, a paragraph long, dude. No, it's not. That's It's the, so that's long, the... dude. <laughs> I've never seen a title from Rob that's under like uh, two lines. <laughs> I've, I've never seen something that's like God's holy word. Oh, really? Come really, on, really, really. Name name one of your papers to me that that, that is a shorter Dude, I title. I don't even remember a shorter title. Any okay, maybe one of the remember. ETS SBL or one of the SBL lectures. What what's one of the names of your SBL lectures? No, you're right. They're long. <laughs> I concede. I'm I'm not digging you, man. I'm just I'm just saying. You know, it's it's hard to fit that much onto a screen. <laughs> uh, anyway oh, so we're heading good. out to oklahoma it's gonna be a good time we're uh we're gonna play some music <laughs> i'm actually it'll be the first time ever traveling with my my cello my electric cello nice it's gonna be a new experience probably cost me an arm and a leg but that's okay it's okay and uh yeah it's gonna be a good time i'm very excited so let's uh i mean we got, i think we got a lot to talk about 
Maybe not. Maybe not. Last week we talked about the DD, or no, we didn't. <laughs> Last week we talked about the gospel. What is the gospel is the name of the uh, of the show, number 261. If you haven't seen it, I'd encourage you to go back and, and look at that one. Actually, I've had numerous people, I think I've had four or five people tell me that uh, last week was their favorite show. Out of, out of 261 shows, last week was it. Which is funny because we didn't really prepare for it. <laughs> mm. I've noticed that a lot of the shows where people are like, oh, that was the best show you guys have ever had, are the shows where we basically are like, what are we going to talk about? I don't know. Let's just turn on the mics and talk. Okay. Um, yeah. So... Yep. Do we do we want to go to uh, Rob did a he made a huge faux pas. What did I do? You looked at the comments on YouTube. One of the things oh, I try not to do is look at comments on YouTube. Now, every once in a while, I'll take a look. I'll try to respond to something. You know, I they all come through my my inbox. But ultimately, one time someone told me, uh, you know, I just don't look at the comments. If you look at the comments, you get bogged down and. You know, and the reason why is because for every one good comment there is, there's somebody else saying that you're a spawn of Satan for what you've said. <laughs> um, as you know, and I think I said this in, I, in one of my recent blog posts on uh, growing a Messiah. I said, oh, how Christ some Christians love each other. Um, anyway, which is very true, right? Um, anyway, so it's been my policy for the most part. I'll respond every once in a while. If somebody has a question in a comment or something like that, I'll try to respond. But for the most part, I try not to uh, look at the comments on, on, uh, that are put on you, our YouTube videos. Now, I do look at the chat room. Um, so, yeah. yeah which, I, which I do not, except for the little permission slip I get. Okay. So uh, I'm getting the, an echo. It when I'm go, talking to you. It should go away in a few seconds. I wonder if other people are hearing it. <clears throat> Is everybody hearing an echo out there from Rob? Is Check. Bible, the word of God, or a canon that contains the words of God? I'm not exactly sure if I understand that. Okay. Um, so do you want to talk? Yeah, let's talk about this comment real quick. So we've, uh, Rob, I actually have still not looked at this comment, but on our, we did a, a, a video, oh, I'd say three years ago, four years. It was 2014. I remember specifically because we talked about it at the ETS and SVL meeting down in San Diego, and that was 2014. We're going back to San Diego this year. It's going to be a good time. Anyway, um, so we had talked about the Et Sefer Bible and uh, just gave it a scathing review, um, which you can, I mean, honestly, I put an Et Sefer into YouTube to see if our our video came up. It, it doesn't even come up like, yeah, you have to scroll forever to even find ours. Um, so, yeah. but anyway, not the point. Um, basically, what we said was that the Et Sefer is uh, not a, a translation because the guys who, who quote unquote, I, they, they didn't translate it. They compiled it. They used somebody else's translation. Or they, they might have modified it. They did. They, they put in they like modified. the Et everywhere. It's, I mean, I've, I've, thumb through one. They put in extra non-canonical books. Um, they have no business in scholarship because they've never, I mean, it's quite apparent that they have never taken any classes in biblical languages. And I'm not even good at biblical languages. 
I've taken a couple of, you know, I've taken a couple of years of Hebrew and, and a year of Greek, but I'm, I, you know, I'm not proficient in my biblical languages, and I can tell that they have not taken any biblical languages. Well, if you're curious, you can just go to their <laughs> website and read the about, and it tells what they did. Yeah, exactly. Like, for example, they they say that the way to pronounce, they they advocate for a pronunciation of the tetragrammaton, which is spelled Y A H U A H. Yahuwah. And then for Yeshua, they say Y-A-H-U-S-H-A, Yahusha. And yeah, but that, that all comes conviction. That all comes then, from Lou White. That all comes from Lou White. Does it? And then yeah. and then what's interesting is they um they say like Matthew 23, 1, it should be he rather than they. It, it's just a hodgepodge. Um it's a hodgepodge of different kind of um incoherent ideas that are all put together in a nice printed volume that looks I, attractive. You want to know what it is? This is my honest opinion. If somebody, and this is kind of what I think happened, somebody scoured the internet, got a bunch of different theories. I'm not joking. Got a bunch of different theories and said, I should put this all into a Bible, sat and down and, and make a product and sat down. And that's exactly what they did. Yeah. It's, it's the instant, it's the internet dumpster diving of, of, of translations. I keep putting quotes around translations. Here, here's something interesting too. Like it says in 2012, we made an extraordinary discovery, which was the <laughs> from Wikipedia, all of Tav from virtually every English Bible. What's so funny is, so he's recycling what, you know, Char what's his, what was the guy's name? Uh, Missler, what Chuck Missler yeah. was selling in the, you know, in the nineties and probably back into the eighties, he was, he, he got traction on this. So, so, I, I see what you mean. There, there's a possibility people can see what is trending, right, in different markets, and then they they actually create a product. I think people, you you should avoid that this eth kefir with the c, this eth kefir bible. They they use the c for the s sound, which is interesting. Um, it's it's a distraction. Avoid it. Don't even don't waste your money on it. Um, and and it was interesting. The only reason this came back on my radar is I, I thought, you know, I want to go through the YouTube. Someone had posted a, a reply that I saw recently and I interacted. And then I started looking at reply. I started, it was like a rabbit hole. I started going down. And then I found someone named Tikva wrote, the Eth Sefer is all caps awesome and shame on you for saying what you did about it. I do not agree. Takes a lot of your credibility away. That was it. And then it had one like, so I'm like, okay, someone agrees with them. Um, and then I said, well, if denouncing the Et Sefer Bible brings shame on us in your eyes, then so be it. You can denounce our credibility all you want. We will always, always steer people away from the Et Sefer Bible. Then she said this, I'm assuming it's a woman because it's Tikva. You are free to do as you will, but be careful with the anointings, A-N-N-O, -N -N uh, strange spelling, anointings of Elohim, you may not understand them, just as many of the ancients didn't. There have been many criers in this dark world that Yah has used to open people's eyes to the truth. And you couldn't be further from the truth on your position of pigeons, eth sefer. So I said, oh, do you read Hebrew? Also, <laughs> on what basis are you evaluating the truth with respect to this so-called Bible? Her reply, I'm a Jew. That should be sufficient. <laughs> and I'm like, 
Okay, so when so, did wait, hey, 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 hang on just a second. So I'm an attribute of ethnicity. Anyway, and she so, hasn't. Uh, so so I, I'm sit I'm sitting in a restaurant with my wife, <laughs> and Rob and Rob text messaged me, and he says some lady just said that we should believe her because she's Jewish, and my wife and I launched into a a slew of who's Jewish and wrong. Israel, when they <laughs> when, <laughs> when they when they worship the golden calf, wrong. Judas Iscariot, Jewish, wrong. Right? I mean, yeah, yeah. and so I mean, being, I, being Jewish doesn't mean you're right or wrong. It's just as it just is an ethnicity. You know, it's not. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, any any more than being Greek would mean you're a liar. Right. That's not the, that's not the point. This is this is bloodline superiority, something we've talked about before. And the fact of the matter is, is I mean, there's one. Paul gives a very, very succinct, succinct, rather succinct uh, response to this. It, it's titled Ephesians. Go read Ephesians. Yeah. So we just will double down on that. Avoid this F Kefir, F Sefer, whatever it is. Um Avoid it. Avoid it. It's incoherent. It is stirring up things that will ultimately, if you're excited about anything in that Bible, it's going to lead you to a dead-end street. And any truth that you get out of that Bible, the Sefer, will lead you away from that Bible to normal people land. You know, <laughs> believers who have... Uh, it much shows better us, grip it shows on us. history and the languages rather than selling sensationalism, which is what that guy's doing. It shows a, uh, <clears throat> it shows the spirit of the times. Um, yeah. Itchy ears, itchy ears. If you bought the SF or Bible, you might have itchy ears. So uh, we've talked to Evelyn's comment in the, uh, in the chat room, the, the Apocrypha was never seen as part of the canon until the Reformation. And then it was only, uh, it was only that way uh, because the Catholics wanted to discount the, they, the Catholics put it into the Bible and made it canon so that they could say, see, look, the uh, Reformers reject Scripture. There's a whole history of yeah. the development of the canon and the different um, uh, those issues books, involved. The, but the but point the, is, those the, books the, were the never pointed that out. The you see on the Sefer website, no, she's not talking about that. She, she's talking about something else. Okay. Guys, how about top 10 books we, the people, should read? Man, you guys really have an idea of... It, the chat room has an idea of where they want this show to go. Because there's been like eight or nine different suggestions for show topics. <laughs> which is great email them okay um let's jump in last week we talked about the deity of the messiah oh no we didn't i keep saying that why do i keep saying that i think it's because the, the word deity is actually on my show we talked notes. about we talked gospel. about the gospel what is the gospel and so yeah what is the gospel that's exactly what we talked about that is true and i think one of the reasons i keep going to deity is because um what what i want to talk about for a few minutes is what are the necessary parts of the gospel message that a lot of people think aren't necessary. And deity would be at the top of the list. In other words, I don't think the gospel message works unless Yeshua is yod So, and the reason why is because, you know, we talked about the, like, what is the gospel? Well, the gospel is 
um, in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. What is that? That is a prophecy of the Messiah, right? Why is that a prophecy of the Messiah? Right. Well, this goes back to Chava, to Eve. And, and we talked about Romans 1, too, saying <clears throat> the gospel of his son, which it talks about coming in the seed, the seed of David, right? And then resurrection. This is all gospel. Yeah, and, and uh, not only that, but the the obviously the washing away of sins through the blood of the, of the heavenly lamb, which is Yeshua, the death... Resurrection, ascension, the uh, the atonement through His blood in the heavenly places to the Father, and then continued interse- intercession by the Son to the Father on our behalf. This is all the gospel, <clears throat> and and ultimately it all ties together, right? Because then Jeremiah thirty one thirty one and following um, th- that that a new covenant will be write- written on our hearts by God. This is the gospel message as well, and Yeshua ties this all together right. at with the, the last. Forgiveness of sins is right. tied together with it, with his shed blood, the forgiveness of sins, and of course the Brit Hadashah that Yeshua mentions in in that last Passover Seder with his disciples, evokes that exact passage in Jeremiah thirty-one. Right, but I think it's a the... hope. Why does the why does the preaching of the gospel bring hope to? To the elect why does it build them up why is it encouraging to them why is it fruitful because it i take it to the the first uh letter of tulip t total depravity is because the heart of the the new creation heart of the of the believer in yeshua recognizes the gravity of sin and and the and the sheer miracle of god's grace so i i linked a article that my dad wrote called the hope of the gospel in our show notes. Cool. And, um, I, I would encourage everyone. And we're going to read this passage. It's out of first, uh, it's out of Colossians one real quick though. <clears throat> I do want to respond to something because uh, I, I brought up the new covenant. Helen writes in the chat room, what was or when was the old covenant? My father has also written on this. What is the veil that, uh, the veil in second Corinthians, um, and if you have a chance, I would highly recommend going and, and reading that article. It's very power. It's a powerful article. It's scholarly, but it's powerful because if we look at, at how, uh, Paul uses new versus old throughout his writings, new man, old man, new, you know, uh, if you just, just do a word study in Paul on new and old, new is always juxtaposed to old as concerning who he was before he came to Christ and who he is now that he's come to Christ. Second Corinthians is the only place in the entire apostolic scriptures in the entire new Testament that the term old covenant is used. And he uses it in reference to being under the curse of the law that is being without Yeshua. Therefore the old covenant is reading the Torah with not through the eyes of Christ. Whereas the new covenant is faith in Messiah, reading the covenant through the eyes of Christ and having the Torah written on yeah, your Yeah, because you have a new heart. Exactly. You're reading the scriptures from a new heart perspective. And that new heart is, you only have the new heart if you're in Messiah. That's right. You don't, you can't, you know, and that's one of the troubles, you know, we talked a little bit about going to San Diego to SBL. You know, there's the academic study of the word of God right. and all its history. And then there's the religious 
study. And so, for example, with uh, ETS, it's a faith-based conference that has the high intellectual scholarly uh, engagement, but yet it's faith-based. And then it's right next to SBL in terms of, right, ETS finishes and then SBL starts. And SBL, there's no faith commitment, and it's still as rigorous. They, ideally, they both have the same level of rigor in terms of academic, uh, per, you know, pursuit of precision in, dis- in description, accuracy in history, uh, and, and things like that. But uh, in both worlds, yeah. you have ideologies that will govern, right? You'll have, for example, in ETS, you're going to have uh, different scholars that come from different Christian backgrounds and different, uh, you know, statements of faith sort of things. And in SBL, you'll have Christians and atheists and Jews and Muslims and Mormons, you know, all presenting. And so at Torah Resource, we think that we need to have both. We need to have a strong, uh, our, re- our reading of the scriptures primarily religious, but it's also has, we're full on for the full academic uh, historical linguistic side of things, right. gra- grammatical, because it's part of it. We can't pretend that our, we get an English Bible and just think that, oh, we can just, that this is our starting point. It's not, it's the middle. That's the middle of the conversation. And behind the scenes of every translation is an army and a history of an army of scholars that have that are just as much as believers as the people who are the benefits of their labor right. on the translation, reading the translation side, but they're part of the body and they're doing important labor. And, and uh, so the reason we're so critical of things like the Sefer Bible is because it's a, th- there is no way that that person could come and stand in either the ETS or the SBL uh, and, and handle the gravity of, of, of what's required of them if they want to venture into that realm. And what they're doing is they're finding a little niche where they're, where they're, um, they're tickling selling ears, to man. people who are, they're, they're fleecing the flock is what they're doing. They're selling to people that don't know any better. And they're, um, they, they have not been through any kind of peer review. They shelter themselves through having a bunch of yes people around them that don't know any better from actual peer review so that when we talk critically about it we get emails that say oh shame on you you're actually um you're actually displeasing uh god or yahuwah or whatever you know they want to say it because of you're just you're just increasing uh disputes in israel and you're creating division so now we're guilty because we're just not towing the line of right. this fringe dude and we're not gonna we're never gonna do there's a whole world that people are being um, they're they're being uh, denied entrance into because they're they're trusting the wrong leaders. And Paul knew this just in in Acts 20. I was reading Acts this morning. At the end of Acts 20, is he's leaving leaving Ephesus and he's weeping, and he says, "I've night and day for three years. I've been warning you. I've been teaching you, and you have to, you know, you have to shepherd the this flock." of the ecclesia because when i leave savage wolves are going to come in right and it's the same thing now and then people who are going to come and take away disciples for themselves that's what this that's what these people are doing that's what the s is doing 
So if can you I don't play like the it, Hoff if you think I'm being now? critical. Can, can I play the Hoff Goes Off now? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's been it's been way too long since we've played this. It's always nice when uh, I asked Caleb if we Rob had it, goes so. off. It's still just as good now as it was when you made it. I love it, man. All right. So let's get back to uh, the topic at hand. It, Why- it, you know what? It, it, it captures it. It, it captures a, a funny uh, element here. Uh, and and you know what? We have to laugh. If you can't laugh, then there's a problem. But God gave us laughter to ease. You know, as much as as much as we mourn for the lost and particularly those who are being deceived by, by teachers. And you know what, what, what part of the laughter comes in when we're saying we're speaking the truth in love. We're trying to, to tell people like abandon that foolishness and, and return to the truth. And then you have people that are so immersed and drunk with that, that they're, that now we become the bad guys. That's how brutal it is. Um, and then it ends up going like this one gal, this Tukva, she's like, she changed the subject because she, she already realized that her statement that she's a Jewish and therefore that should be sufficient for her to discern the truth. I called her on that. Well, she hasn't replied. Rather, she says, well, you guys don't know everything. Um, you don't have all the answers and you need to be better listeners. Dot, 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 dot. And we should take this Sefer Bible as an, like an anointed thing. Or, and it's just like, oh, my that's what I do. I drink and I know things. Let's get back to the topic at hand. Um, so I want to go to the necessary elements of the gospel that are often overlooked. Um, I can give you two in the beginning, uh, the, from the outset. I think it is absolutely necessary to the gospel message that Yeshua is fully God. Right? Or maybe we should say truly God. As the Latin actually says, true. Well, God, I had someone God. email me, and they're like, "Well, Yeshua is not Yod Vavhe. Yes, like he is. the they wanted to say that Yod Vavhe is the Father, and so they're, and so Wrong. it seems to me like there's people who read out there. They'll talk about Yeshua, and they'll say, "Well, I don't know who Yeshua is. I'll set that on the shelf. I'll read the Tanakh. I'll find out who Yod Vavhe is, and then I'll bring Yeshua back into the conversation." Right. And, yeah, it's, and it's my wrong. point is that's that's the wrong method. It's, yeah, it's definitely wrong. Um, and, you know, I had someone tell me one time that uh, that they don't like calling Yeshua yod because the scriptures never call him yod That's not true. Um, and I, I think there's a good argument. I know that it's debated, but I think there's a good argument for, for saying that uh, there are certain passages. Romans 8, I believe it is, unless you confess with your mouth that Yeshua is Kurios, I think Kurios. Romans 10. Romans 10. I think and it, Philippians. Yeah. Every knee will bow. Every yeah, tongue, every tongue will, confess. will confess. That Yeshua is Kurios. And I think that there's a very, very strong, uh, I think it's a slam dunk, a dunk argument that uh, that the Kurios here is clearly referring to uh, the Septuagint use of Kurios as yod Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and there's other passages as well. That's one important, Caleb, if I may. One of the important reasons, because there's people out here like with the Eth Sefer, and we know that there's people, Yehovah or Yahuwah or all these different things that you see. And they're wanting to, and they get traction off that. That's where they, they, they itch an ear for people, and then they get popular. 
and they reject this idea of this what we call the circumlocution or the say the, the where we say Adonai instead of trying to pronounce the tetragrammaton, which is an ancient tradition that goes down even into Septuagint in Yeshua's day, the apostles they all said Kurios or Adonai. Well, um, the question then. Well, people think like, oh, well, we've been, it's been hidden from us and now it's revealed. No, that's not the point. The point is there is something that we, that we has not been revealed about Yotevafe, which is revealed in Yeshua, in the gospel. Right. That's super, super important. But people that instead of recognizing that core truth, they will try to go, oh, no, I'll tell you how to pronounce it. And and some will even say, if you don't pronounce it correctly, your prayers are not are going to be received. You're off. And you're, at the same time, you, they'll sneak in, oh, um, Jesus is means hail Zeus or how something did, how like did that. You get into, and, how did you get into sacred name theology? We're talking about the deity of Messiah here. <laughs> we're talking about Yeshua being yod in the flesh. Right. And that by peop, when people try to put it, say, this is how you say yod they're forgetting that there that Jews understood yod as having a special sacredness that they didn't want to encroach upon. Right. That they didn't full, it was not fully revealed. And so Adonai, or Kurios, was the way that they talked about right. who he is. And Yeshua is that. Yeah. That's Absolutely. that's what I was trying to talk about. Okay, so one of the reasons that I think the deity is so essential to the gospel, and I had someone tell me recently that this is that I'm I'm basing my theology off C.S. Lewis as opposed to the Bible, which was really interesting. Um, but basically, <clears throat> we're told in Genesis that uh, the day you sin, you will surely die. And we know that this does not mean physical death. We know that this means spiritual death. How do we know this? Because Adam and Eve didn't instantly die. They were kicked out of the garden. They were t- taken out of communion with God. And this is a death in and of itself, right? Uh, we have been tainted now with death. We know from Romans that uh, that the sin is passed through the Father. The reason that it's so important for Yeshua, the, the reason that the gospel message has to have Yeshua being divine, he has to be deity, he has to be Yodhe is because, first of all, he had to not be created. His life has to be infinite. If one death, if one sin equals one death, which it does because God's holiness is infinite, right? So one sin is a, a sin against his infinite holiness. It's an infinite sin against his infinite holiness. Then the only life that could actually pay for a sin is an infinite life. But it's more than that because only a pure infinite life that is the life of life. In other words, um, my life might pay for one sin, but only God's life could pay for multiple sins and infinite sins infinitely for his elect. And this is why the deity is so vitally important for the gospel message. If you don't have an infinite deity die for the sins of the elect, then you only have a person who can pay for one sin, even if he's even if he's a spotless lamb. And we see this within the temple service, right? The spotless lamb comes and is killed. Let's take the Yom Kippur sacrifice, right? 
Yom Kippur sacrifice is killed, what happens? Next year, you have to bring another one. It's not good for all time. And so the one of the central parts of the gospel message is that God died for the elect and that it was his blood that was shed. And this is another this is why the virgin birth is such a vital and foundational part of the gospel message. Because since the sin is passed through the father, God had to be the father of the Messiah. If you don't have the virgin birth, then you just have a man with a sin nature. And that's not a spotless lamb, first of all. But second of all, the father, uh, the, the, the fact that Yeshua is divine has to have the father be God. And this gets into Trinitarian doctrine, which is something that, you know, as soon as you try to explain it, uh, you're going to screw it up. But these are, these are the two main central doctrines that I think are vitally important to the gospel message. And Paul, Paul thinks so as well. Let's go to uh, Colossians 1, 15 through 23. I love this passage. It's one of my favorites. I'm reading out of the ESV. <laughs> he, that is Yeshua, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all, and people get hung up on firstborn of all creation. What does that mean? He's going to throw in a couple of these, um, of these titles here that people get hung up on. And all they are is, I shouldn't say all they are, what they are rather, are uh, declarations that he receives all creation and all glory as his inheritance. In other words, it's, an inher- it's inheritance language. It's not that he was a created being, it's inheritance So he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. So declaration of deity is first on Paul's mind. He declares deity of Messiah. He is the the living God come in the flesh. And this is what Paul now has declared. And he is the head of the body, the ecclesia. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that is, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God has, was uh, pleased to dwell with him, or in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, He is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the, in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel. So he lays out Yeshua's deity first, and then he comes down and he talks about the hope of the gospel that you heard which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven and of which I, Paul, became a minister. So I think that Paul clearly here in Colossians considers Yeshua to be not, not only divine, but that, that his deity is a central aspect of the gospel message. Thoughts? I, I fully agree. Uh, and I know we touched on it a little bit last week, but the uh, same thing in, in Romans 1. Right. Um, where we see 
if we may go well, there real quick. And he hails back to Romans 1 a little bit, right? Because he says, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven. And in Romans 1, he says that they have no excuse because heaven and earth pro- proclaim him, right? I mean, I'm paraphrasing, obviously. Let me get to Romans 1. Well, I was looking even before that, right at the beginning of the letter. Um, he says, Paul, a bondservant of Christ Jesus, called an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised, and the which there is pointing back to the Evangelion. Right. So the gospel, God's gospel, which he promised beforehand through his prophets, whose prophets? God's prophets, in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, whose son? God's son. Right. And then we have the two, and this fits in because in Greek right now, in end of first year Greek, we're looking at participles. And we're looking at um, what we call adjectival participles. And there's two here that modify at the beginning of verse three concerning his son. Now, subsequent to that, there are two what we call adjectival participles that um, are describing his son. They're adjectives. The first one, who is who has come to Genomenu, that's the, the first one, from the seed of David according to the flesh. And then the second one is in verse four, to Horisthentas Huyuthiu, who is and declared the Son of God in power by the Spirit of Holiness through the resurrection of the dead, Yeshua the Messiah, our Lord. Okay. Well, why is it important? What I'm pointing out here is because the beginning of verse three says concerning his son. And then it says two things about him. He, he's already, he's his son who came according to the seed of David and who was declared to be the son of God through the resurrection of the dead. Right. So Yeshua did not become the son of God with the resurrection. He already was God's son in eternal, eternally. Right. But he was declared in the resurrection. There's something special that happens. He's declared right. the Son of God. That is, it's uh, proclaimed. A, it's it's uh, going to be in eternity in the future. All will know. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess this fact. It's fully revealed, fully vindicated in terms of the flesh. He came in the flesh, died in the flesh, rose again. Right. And that he is uh, all, he's given all authority in heaven and earth. So he's the reigning messianic king. He's both of David and he's uh, he's 100% God and he's 100% man. And it's a mystery. But what, what what's frustrating is, is people, it seems, and I know this just through some uh, recent email conversations, they want to separate yod heh vav from this gospel story right. and say that's the Father, and Yeshua somehow other. And um, and that's, the, ultimately, there's, well, Arianism, right? Remember Arianism was right. the idea that the Word is subordinate to the Father, right? So then there's this subordination of... Um, it's lesser godism. Yeah, lesser. Oh, yeah, and then they have the lesser Yodhevafe kind of thing too that people will creep in. So we got to be real careful on this because it's it, Yeshua is one with the Father, equal. Right. 
fully equal. Yeshua is what we see in our human language in its revelation is obedience. And from the perspective of obedience, it's okay. Well, the person who's being obedient is less than the person who's giving the, the commandment. And so from that view, then if you pause right there, you say, okay, so Yeshua is lesser than the father. And then you'd find a scripture like, oh, you know, uh, I go into my father who's greater than me. Right. And then you use that language to wedge between the father and the son. And then therefore Yeshua is not Yodhe Vafe. He's not Adonai. Right. Anyway. And that's, that's some of the logic I think that people explore when they're trying to think about this. We got a really interesting email this morning, and I think, I mean, we got 20 minutes left, so I think we have plenty of time to uh, to dive into this. So Christina, this morning, she wrote in and she said, I was hoping maybe, I know this email is coming in late, you could t- touch on who Messiah is. Maybe this fits into the gospel series. I'm thinking like son of God, deity, angel of the Lord, etc. Yes. So I believe that in Scripture we see Yeshua as the angel of the Lord. However, I don't think that every time we see the angel of the Lord, it's Yeshua. Wrap your head around that one for a second. Um, Son of God, yes. Um, And from eternity, Son of God. I think that uh, the reason that God is Father and Son is to, and Spirit, is to show us our relationship to God. What is our relationship to God? It's like Father, Son, Spirit. Um, We are uh, interacting with God and connected fully to God. We love God. We're in covenant relationship with God. All this is done through the Spirit. And so God manifests. And manifest is a very difficult word because I don't want to be pegged as someone who believes in modalism. I don't believe in modalism. Um, however, uh, for lack of a better term at this point, I'll just use manifest. God has manifest himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three separate persons, equal, and one eternally. Um, and so I think that that's exactly what the scriptures has, has shown us. Um, so, uh, so I'm thinking like Son of God, Deity, Angel, of the Lord, etc. I know you've touched on these before, but my biggest one I would like like explanation on is what it means that he is the word incarnate. I see some interesting, we will call them interesting for lack of a better word, explanations within the Hebrew roots side of the Torah movement. They usually go something like, Jesus is the word, the Torah, the law, the 613 commandments, complete with gematria vowels, laugh out loud, and it's usually used to either say, quote, following Torah equals the same as following Jesus, or if you're not following all of Torah, you're not actually following Jesus. So So just didn't know if maybe you could touch on this for me, so on and so forth. Um, This is a reference to John 1. Let's read it because why not? In the beginning, now I'm in John 1, 1, starting in John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, 
And the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. And we are we already caught a taste of this in, in Colossians too, right? All things were made through him and by him. All things were made through him and without him was nothing uh, was not anything made. In him was life and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God. Now he's going to talk about uh, John the Baptist, right? Now uh, we're going to skip. And uh, so we skip down here to verse 14. And the word, now he's, he comes back to this. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. So this is the connection of word. Um, I looked up this morning after I received this email, I looked up a couple of suggestions by different people. Uh, one of the ones that I went to, I always like seeing what Desiring God says because I, I really, really like a lot of what Piper has to say. Um, and uh, he says, you know, Piper's, like I said, he's always got something good to say. And he says, well, it means his, uh, the word means his whole being or his essence. Um, I kind of agree with that. However, I think that there's a very much needed pinpoint. Uh, I think I disagree with probably most Christian evangelicals on this. I could be wrong, um, but I think, and you can correct me here if you think I'm wrong as well, Rob, I think that John is writing to a very specific audience. I think it's pretty clear, and I've, I've done some work on this, I think it's clear that John knows that his audience has read most likely all three of the synoptic gospels, or at least one or two of them. The reason we know this is because he does things like he'll talk about the 12 without de describing who the 12 are. Well, how, why does he expect that his audience knows who the 12 are? Because he expects some knowledge of Yeshua and the disciples, the 12 disciples. How would this come? It would come from stories going around or from the Gospels themselves. Um, that's just one of many examples that can be given in, in the Gospel of John uh, as a reference. We know that John was written late, later, I should say. I think John was written around 95. So by this time, we have uh, the rise of different uh, uh, thought patterns and, and so on and so forth. Um, one of those thought patterns was Gnosticism. Gnosticism was a uh, heretical belief, and you can't say it was one belief because it wasn't. There was all sorts of different Gnostic right. belief. They didn't call themselves, uh, uh, Gnosticoi is what other people called them, right? Right, right. Um, and so within, within Gnosticism, there was varying different uh, understandings. Uh, some of them said that anything uh, physical, anything in the physical world was evil. And um, so out of this thought, different beliefs of who, how Yeshua came to earth, how God came to earth. Some of them said he was like basically a hologram. He, you know, he didn't have a real physical that the flesh is bad. Right. Fle flesh is bad. And some of these groups practiced asceticism, right? Like you have to um, uh, somehow, you know, deprive the the body of all sorts of things. Um, and it's, it's false humility is what it is. So Joseph says the word, AKA logos is a Targum concept. Mamre in Aramaic 
Yeah, but but the, uh, the Targums are after the Gospels. So the, the point it's a good point, but it, it's true that the the Memra in the Gospels, or sorry, the Memra in Aramaic uh, Targumim, we don't have that from the first century. Right. Um, it's it's a later, and but it's true that there is in the Jewish tradition ultimately to be abandoned by the rabbis. The rabbis don't continue to use Memra. But it's in the Targumic tradition, and it has traction for a little while in the early rabbinic era um, as a way of, of anthropomorphizing or like removing, removing a, 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 not a closest to God, which is, sounds weird to say that. It's adding some, a mediary between God and the world. That's what it, it's not removing. It's removing dist, uh, removing proximity by adding distance. <laughs> it sounds weird to say that. So let's go. Let's go back to John though, real quick. Um, I think that John is clearly speaking against some of the uh, theological issues. In fact, I think that most of I think that the the motive behind John's gospel is theological. He hashes out theology so much more than the other gospels. In other words, the other gospels are giving a, a, a recount of story, whereas John isn't as uh, worried about the story itself as he is about what Yeshua taught. Right. So, for instance, in the uh, you know he spends a significant amount of time on the Passover speech that Yeshua gives. This is clearly a symposium uh, imagery. The the, some, the philosophical symposiums after the meal the teacher would get up and, and give his expo- exposition, and then people would interact with him. Well, John spends from chapter 13 all the way to 17 uh, on Yeshua's exposition, whereas the, go- the, uh, the Synoptic Gospels spend almost no time at all on them. Um, so with this said, why is, what, is, uh, what is John's thrust here in the very beginning? Well, I think that he's speaking specifically to a Gnostic concept of Logos, and that Logos represents uh, the, the truth, the full truth that emanates from the supreme being. Um, so well, the, he's, he's, he's reclaiming the word from that theology. Ex- exactly. He's trying to say— Logos no, is not—in other words, Logos is not a bad word right, that he no. wants to avoid. He wants to use it, and he wants to use it in the face of the way other people are using it. He's— He's yeah. He's pulling it into. He's pulling it. He's trying to to show what he believes the truth is. Um, I took this from a from a uh, philosophy dictionary, an online philosophy dictionary, which is done by a uh, plethora of of scholars, legit scholars. Uh, they say this: the Gnostic idea or notion was not informed by a philosophical worldview or procedure. Rather, the Gnostic vision of the world was based upon the intuition of a radical and seemingly irreparable rupture between the realm of experience, the pathos, and the realm of true being—that is, existence in its positive, creative, or authentic aspects. The logos, on the other hand, is the product of a careful reflection and refers to to its truth value, not to the Im- immediate moment of grasping a phenomenon, but to the moment of reflection during which one attains a conceptual knowledge of the phenomenon and first comes to know it as such with this is gnosis or insight. The direct result of this gnosis is the emergence from the sense of existence as pathos to the actuality of being. 
Uh, that is reception and judgment of experience by way of purely rational or divine criteria. Such criteria proceeds directly from the logos or divine ordering principle, and they have divine uh, ordering principle in quotations, to which the, Gnost the Gnostics believe themselves to be related by way of a divine genealogy, although Gnostic ontology proceeds by way of the elaborate myth, it is a myth informed always by the Logos and is, in this sense, a true mythology, that is, a rendering in the immediate of language of that which is ever present as a product of the privileged privileged reflection. In other words, what jo what John I think is saying is, look, the truth of God's of what of God's being, all of God's being, what his truth actually is came has in the become man. Has, has become, become man and is now manifest as flesh. Yeah. That's so his don't point. look for this like Caleb like that was hard to follow. That was highfalutin philosophical language, you know, and sorry. Uh, kudos I to those who who are you know philosophically inclined to discuss at that level but but yeah this is like down to earth what john is doing he's bringing it down to earth and saying there is no access to the truth there is no um uh there is no good way to try to understand god apart from looking at yeshua right let me break down what I just read, in, at least the way that I understood it, because I took, a, I took a, some time to look at that this morning. What I understood from that was the Gnostics believed that there was a realm of supernatural being that we, and, and then our truth as we see it in the earth, but that there is a true logos or wisdom slash knowledge that emanates from the higher being. This is what the Gnostics would say. And what, what John is saying is, and This look, influences Kabbalah, by the way. Absolutely. In, in, the Sfirot, the 10 Sfirot, etc. But that doesn't come for, that's another thousand years <laughs> right. into the future. But. Um, but basically what I see John saying here is, this is, the word is actually come in the flesh. God's revelation of himself, his full being, is now here on earth with us. And we, we can learn everything we need to know about that true essence from Yeshua. And there's no other, there's no other way to that, to knowing who God is. Right. That's the, that's the methodological problem with people who say, well, I'll tell you what, I'm just going to set the New Testament aside. I'm going to learn as much as I can about yod heh vav -Heh from the Tanakh. And then I'll evaluate whether or not I think the gospel fits. That exactly. that is a it, it's it's the wrong method. B it because it assumes <laughs> the the truth of of who Yeshua is is new creation. Is who we are in Him is new creation participating in His resurrection life by faith. It's God's law put on our heart. If we're not reading the scriptures from that vantage point, from that starting point, there's going to be a thousand directions that we could go in and no checks and balances, no way to know which, what, where truth is, unless we're beginning from the position of the truth. Yeah, Joseph, and that's the difference between, you know, old, the old covenant or however he puts it. The idea of trying to read the script, having the physical scriptures there and reading it, but having a veil. You're going to make all sorts of meaning. They start 
counting the values of the letters and say, well, the beginning of these letter of these words creates this word, or the last letters of these words create this other word. And this, the numerical value of this word matches the numerical value of this other word, therefore, so on and so on. And then you get, and, and once you have that, then it's which is the, um, what do they call that? Uh, reincarnation, sorry. Yeah, it's such a weird concept, but that starts getting into the mix. Um, all sorts of strange things come into being. Why? Because they're not oriented towards the scriptures from the new covenant heart. Joseph says in the chat room, he, he has the question of Mirchava. The Mirchava literature doesn't, I mean, as it's hashed out within within Kabbalistic belief, doesn't come around until much later. The Merkava, uh, Maase Merkava, is older than our, like the Sfirot, for example. Right. We, the Hekelot writings come from Babylon, um, and they date, you know, 3rd to 7th century, somewhere in there. Um, and there's a, a whole bunch of different writings that... Uh, present themselves as being rabbinic. You'll see Rabbi Ishmael, you'll see all these names and this idea of an ancient tradition, but it's not, um, it's not coherent with the Talmudic worldview. And so there's actually a tension in the Jewish world between sources of knowledge. And this is, again, this is post 70, this, but you have is knowledge in the Tana, the person who memorizes and can recite rabbinic tradition, uh, the Mishnah from memory? Is it in the, the, the Amora, the one who um, can create new connections and new laws and, through creative exegesis and legal argument? That's the, that's the value that the Gemara of the Talmud puts forth, is that that's where the power is. The power is in the individual rabbi who's able to create all these clever legal argumentations or is it in the person who has, who doesn't isn't involved in that scholarship at all and rather has their own mystical ascent into the heavenly realms like Enoch in the Enochic writings and has all this download instant download of heavenly knowledge and they don't need to go and study because they have this spiritual domain so these are all types of holy men in the Jewish world, in what we call late antiquity, this before the rise of Islam, but after the destruction of the temple. And the different streams of Jewish literature that we have reflect those different um, uh, privilege, privileges, or you know, those different uh, exemplar holy people. And if you're interested, take my class on um, Introduction to Rabbinic Literature and Jewish Mysticism at Tor Resource. <laughs> Absolutely. Well... We are almost off. We're almost hey, off. I didn't to get Oklahoma. a chance. I'm going into the chat room then. Oh, okay. Go for it. Um, so we have, um, I, I assume we'll be here next week. And when we're here next week, I assume that we will talk about our time in Oklahoma. And see, I've lost, I've lost Rob now. So now I'm just talking to myself. No, I had um, to pause. Some ad came up. How to make um, money fast or something. I deposit so I could read the chat room. So, um, uh, but I hope that, um, I hope that, yeah, everyone will be praying for us while we're in Oklahoma. I'm expecting a wonderful time. And uh, I don't know, how much of it are we actually going to restate on our show? 
Who knows? Um, Gary's got a good point. I'm interrupting you, Caleb. Their belief in the gospel without repentance gets a person nowhere. Excellent. Yeah, yes. that's right on, Gary, because like even John the Baptist, right? Repent. Yeshua, repent and believe. Repent and believe. You see it in the book of Acts. They're saying repent and believe. They go hand in hand. Right. I would like to know what other people think are vital parts of the gospel message. We brought well, up we, we brought we up yeah. deity and we brought up virgin birth. Go ahead. Well, we didn't get to that picture where it's like, is oh, yeah. is Jesus the law in the flesh? Is he Yote Vave in the flesh? Okay, I'm gonna be off the chat room now. Um is he if people say, well, he's the law, he's the Torah. Yeah, is, well, Yeshua the, is he the Torah or is this a separate, are we going to do a separate show? No, on no, this? no, that's fine. Actually. So, I mean, this is kind of what I, I take a different view. I think then, uh, you know, the word became flesh. And I think that's where a lot of this comes from that Yeshua yeah, was they the say law. it's the word. And then they quote Psalm 119 with the word is the law. So therefore Yeshua is the Torah. Therefore the Torah was nailed to the cross. And this is, this is, uh, in my view, this is just, totally unhelped there's there's no gain this is actually a distraction and it's actually in my opinion dumbing down thought and meditation on the word rather than helping yeah can i mean obviously paul says that the issue is the end of the law right but the goal of the law i think i think it's, it's goal. yeah, yeah it's goal, goal not the, end. End. the goal so, the, so are you suggesting that, the, I mean. So, I mean, there was someone posted a thing. It said the law was nailed to the cross. And they're saying you should, that. And then the law was in the grave for three days and three nights. Again, which is a total misunderstanding of Matthew. Right. And then it rose from the dead. And now the law lives forevermore. That's just like so. That's just wrong thinking. Yeah. The, <laughs> oh. So how should it be thought of then? What do you mean? I I don't think it's helpful to think that that uh Yeshua is the Torah and therefore Yeshua's crucifixion is the crucifixion is you know it's actually the Torah being crucified. That's, that's, again, that's the same, it's the same kind of thought that leads to the Eth Sefer Bible. So I think people will say, well, don't you think that the, that Yeshua is the word, the, the law in flesh or the word in flesh? He's kept the Torah perfectly. I'm playing the uh, devil's advocate at this point. Yeah, but is the law, so what is the, so what are we calling the Torah then? Is the Torah a, a Torah scroll? Is Yeshua a Torah scroll? Is that what they mean? Is he the Torah in flesh, you think? A Tor the Torah scroll? God's instruction in the flesh? Yeah, See, I mean, this comes... This I, come, I don't understand the thought process. This comes back to... I, I mean, this is kind of what I was trying to hash out with the if John... If the word was in the beginning, if we go back to John 1, we say, in the beginning was the word. 
Okay. And the word was with God and the word was God. And I don't know if we've, I think we've talked about it before. Don't follow the Jehovah witness on that one. Cause they say there's no definite article on Theos in, in there where it says the, you know, the word was God. Therefore the word was a God, lowercase G. That's just, that's another wrong direction. Don't uh, go that direction. Okay. But, uh, yeah, but, but, but uh, John opens up with this mystery. How can the Logos be with Theos, but also be Theos? He's not talking about the law of Moses. Right. He's not talking about the I agree. Pentateuch. This is before this is before creation. Now, of course, the later rabbis have a story that when God created the world, he looked into the Torah to find out how to make it. And then he and that's that's just a create that's again, that's a midrash. That's a that's a creative idea of the value of the Torah. That the Torah of Moses is so valuable that God actually used it as a template for creating the universe. Helen says Yeshua gives life or the word gives life, Yeshua, the word gives life, Yeshua gives life. <clears throat> People can have the Torah and not have Yeshua. Right? People written that's the whole thing. They'll read the Torah. They can memorize have it memorized, know it forward and backward, but not have life in Yeshua. So would you say that they don't have the Torah? Or they don't you'd say they don't have the real Torah? They have the shadow of the Torah. I mean, that's the kind of discussion that you know that comes from it all. It comes from it all. Um You know, the promise back to the new covenant. What do the scriptures teach us? I will write my Torah on their hearts. And that we will be forgiven from our sins. That's that's the core piece. And so the revealed word, what has been written, is not the fullness of who Yeshua is. We, even the end of the Gospel of John says that. The world couldn't hold all. If, if we were to write down all the things pertaining to Yeshua, everything he did, everything he taught, and the miracles. The, the world couldn't contain the books. Why, is he, why does he put it that way? The idea is that the, the revelation of who God is is beyond what is in writing. So when we say, well, Yeshua is the Torah, the living Torah, I like part of me goes, okay, I could, you know, sure. On the other hand, it's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. What do we what do we gain by this saying? What are we saying here? And you know, you could call me being too uh, wanting to be too literal or take you know wanting to take things too seriously. But I think it's it's little things, places where we don't take things seriously enough, and we get this these various you know the slippage, and you get these people promoting these crazy products out there bibles that are leading people in the wrong direction it's because people aren't standing up and saying no people aren't standing up for for uh, a nuance saying no a new i'm gonna i have a nuance that i'm gonna right. insist upon here and i'm not gonna pretend like we can just play rabbinic midrash and and not be serious about this because the consequences might seem little here right but but a year down the road, 10 years down the road, it's it's going to be miles and miles off. 
and the recovery is going to be all the more difficult. I have, an, I have a totally and completely different conversation that we could have right now because there's another example of this that I ran into this, this okay, last week. Go but ahead. No, you, no, 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 no. We'll, we'll, we'll save it for next week um, because we got stuff to do. I got to get ready for – I got to get ready to travel. I got to get ready to travel on, uh, on Friday morning. I leave at 5 a.m. So, all right, guys. I hope that this conversation has been good. Please pray for us while we're in Oklahoma. And uh, that our conversations are are good and and fruitful. And uh, yeah, good time. We'll see you next week. We hope this conversation has done one thing and one thing only. And that is to glorify our great God and Savior, Yeshua, the Messiah. Why? Because Messiah matters. Mm